I've titled this message, before we jump into it, please hurry. Please hurry. Some of you guys in the middle of the message are going to be like, please hurry and be done with this. Um, please hurry is what we're going to kind of consider. Daniel chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. I'm reading from the NIV again uh, tonight. Daniel 9, verse 1. Again, the verses will be on the screen. It says this. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom. Now pause. The last chapters we looked at when Daniel gives prophecy, it was still the Babylonian Empire. Remember, we go 1 through 6 is historical and chronological, and then it jumps back in Daniel's lifetime to give us some of these prophecies. So it's kind of out of order a little bit, but it goes through the future, and then it's like, okay, this is what's happening in that same timeline. So we've moved now past Babylon, and in chapter 9, we're now into the Medo-Persian Empire with this king named Darius. He's over the Babylonian kingdom. Verse 2, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. Pause. Point number one is Daniel has a promise. Daniel has a promise. Now, in this moment, there, the Medo-Persian Empire is at large. He's under King Darius. Um, pretty soon there would be a decree to go out about praying. He's going to get thrown into the lion's den. This whole event is going to happen at some point in this life. We're told that Daniel is there. He's got his Bible open. He's got it open to the book of Jeremiah. He's reading the book of Jeremiah, and all of a sudden something jumps out of the page at him because what he's reading directly relates to his moment in his life. Have you ever been there? You're reading the scripture, or maybe somebody's reading the scripture to you, and all of a sudden you're like, wait a second. How did you know that that's what I needed to hear? And Daniel, he's, he's reading, and all of a sudden he gets to Jeremiah, specifically chapter 25, and it begins to talk about the captivity of Daniel, specifically first to the Babylonians. And Daniel's like, wait a second, I'm living this. Listen, listen to what he would have read, uh, Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 11. This is Jeremiah writing before Daniel. It says, and this whole land, speaking of Israel, shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. He reads that. He's sitting, again, he's been under the authority of Babylon. He reads this, and he's like, dude. He's like, whoa, right? He's like, the Babylonians for 70 years? If he would have kept reading in Jeremiah chapter 29, it says this. This is verse 10. He says, for thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. That's Jeremiah 29 verse 10. Many of us know Jeremiah 29 11 because it says, I know the plans that I have or the thoughts that I have towards you, says the Lord, not to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. That's the context that Jeremiah writes that. So, so Daniel's reading this. He's like, wait, we're going to be in Babylon for 70 years. 
He gets to 29 verse 10 and God has this promise where he says, after those 70 years, I'm going to show up and I'm going to deliver you from the captivity of Babylon. Daniel's living in that captivity. Now, here's where it gets a little interesting. When you follow Daniel's time from captivity to this moment where King Darius is on the throne and all this stuff is going, it has been 69 years since that moment. So Daniel's reading this and he thinks back, right? He's now an old man. He thinks back and he's like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He's like, when's my birthday? Okay, no. And he goes, whoa, it's almost been 70 years. Now, here's where it gets a little interesting or kind of confusing. Because when Daniel was captive, taken captive, it had been 69 years to this moment. Now, there was a second attack in Jerusalem eight years later where they took treasure from the temple. And then there was a final attack Ten years after that, where Jerusalem officially falls, which would have been 18 years after Daniel had been in captivity. So Daniel's looking at this, and basically he's reading, he's 70 years. I know it's 70 years. From the moment I was taken captive, it's been 69 years. And maybe he knew about these other events. The time the treasure was taken from the temple, it was a little bit later. And then after, finally, when Jerusalem fell, it was 18 years. So Daniel's looking at this. It could be one more year until he's released, or it could be 18 more years until it's released. You see what's happening? And so Daniel is looking at this, but all of a sudden he's reading scripture, something jumps out of the page at him, and there is a promise that directly relates to his life. Can I pause for just a moment and give a little bit of an encouragement? God's word has a promise directly related to your life. And sometimes we don't see his promises because we don't study his word. Sometimes we miss out on what God is trying to say to us because we don't spend time in his word. If Daniel was not reading the book of Jeremiah, he would have not got to the page where it would have said, hey, in 70 years, you're going to get out of Babylon. And he would have been like, whoa, I've been here 69 years. We might be getting out of this thing soon. And I think sometimes we wonder, what is God saying to me, or where is God, or why doesn't God ever talk to me? He talks to other people. I'm confused about my life. I don't know what the future holds. And we miss it because we're not reading it. We don't see the promises that are related to our life because we're not in it. What if God had a promise for you exactly for your present situation, but you didn't get it? Because you didn't read it. Well, what if you cracked open your Bible tomorrow morning and, and maybe you, you're not used to reading your Bible. It's something totally foreign to you. Let me encourage you to read the book of John. New Testament book of John. It's about the life of Jesus. It'll transform your heart and your life if you read it. A chapter a day. It'll take you five to eight minutes to read it. Read it. And then the next day, read the next chapter and find yourself in a habit and a rhythm of reading God's word and watch as things begin to jump out the page at you. But you'll miss it because you didn't read it. A few years back before Hannah and I, my wife, were even dating, um, this was actually the moment when I stole her number and finally uh, got her to like me. Actually, it took six months after that. Another story, another time. Um, the point of that message is, like, be persistent. Don't give up. <laughs> Drive her crazy. Um, but uh, 
I, I was in California visiting uh, Hannah's sister and uh, my best friend, and we were going to go to the Emmys, which the Emmys are like the, the TV show awards. And uh, we had the opportunity to work at the Emmys. And uh, it was crazy because for whatever reason, they asked me, and they didn't ask Hannah. So I flew from Florida to go to this, and like they like forgot to ask Hannah, but there was only three spots for us to go. And so we're like, sorry, Hannah, like you don't get to go. So me and uh, my brother-in-law now, Jacob, and my sister-in-law, Leah, were going to the Emmys, and we got to work at the thing. We met all these crazy celebrities, like people from The Office and Parks and Rec and all these crazy cool things. It was amazing. Um, if you don't believe me, I'll show you a picture of me with Kevin from The Office um, on my Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> That was a really old sentence. Anyways, um, what well, we found out, Hannah was really bummed that she didn't get to go. Well, we found out while we were standing in line to get in, to check in, she's like, yep, I've got, the lady's like, yep, I have four um, like wristbands or whatever for you guys. And Leah, Hannah's sister, was like, no, 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 there's only three. And she's like, no, no, I got one for Leah, for Jacob, for Nate, and for Hannah. And that was exactly Leah's response. And she like grabbed us and she's like, not a word to Hannah about any of this. And what happened was she got the email. Well, she did like probably many of us do when we get texts or emails and we skim through it. We don't really read it. And she missed a very important update that said, hey, we actually have four spots for you guys to come in and to work the Emmys. And Hannah didn't get to go because why? Leah didn't read the email. And I think sometimes, sometimes we miss what God wants to say to us because why? He has a word for us, but we're not reading it. We're not looking at it. We're, we're not finding ourselves in scripture. And because of it, we're missing what God wants to say to us. Don't miss out on the promise or, or, or the reward or the calling or the direction from God because you're confused or not paying attention to what God is saying. Now, from there, Daniel reads this, and he goes, oh, my gosh, it could be happening soon. I could get out of Babylon soon. So he transitions from reading that promise, and then he goes, second point, into a prayer. He recognizes that this is about to happen, and then Daniel begins to pray. Look at verse 3 of chapter 9. It says, so, so I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in petition and in prayer, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. Now Daniel goes in through the next few verses and he basically prays to God. And you can on your own time read his prayer to God. I want you to jump down to verse 19 because that's where he summarizes his prayer. He says this, Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, don't delay. Have you ever prayed like that? God, listen to me. Hear me. Please do something. Act. Please listen. That's what he's saying. He prays this. He's like, Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. He says, don't delay because your city and your people bear your name. Then he says this. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and making my request to the Lord God for his holy hill. Pause sort of screeching halt right there. Now, Daniel basically prays that God would fulfill his promise and deliver his people on the early side of the 70 years. It's basically what he prays. He's like, God, there is a big gap here. 
It could be next year. It could be 18 years from now. He's like, I'm in my 80s. I don't know if I'm going to make it 18 years from now. So please, God, hear and forgive and listen and act and deliver us now, not 18 years from now. Do you know what's remarkable about this? There was a promise from God that it would be 70 years, right? There's a promise from God. God had set in his word in stone. It was final. 70 years this was going to happen. Now, God had said something. It was final. What was the point then of Daniel praying if God had already determined what was going to happen? Isn't that an interesting thing? Like God said 70 years. And Daniel reads that and he goes, God, please deliver us now. No, God already said it'd be 70 years. And Daniel's like, yeah, I know. But whatever reason, God has offered to us this, this option, this opportunity to pray. And what, his prayer, what our prayers do is petition, petitions God, calls on God, and allows us to participate with God in what he's doing. It's crazy that we get to pray at all. It's crazy that we get to ask God for things, and God, for one, even listens, two, even cares, and then also will do something in our life and through our life. It's crazy that God hears your prayers because sometimes you ask your mom for things and she doesn't even listen. <laughs> right? Sometimes you ask your friend and they're not even paying attention. Isn't it crazy to think that God listens to you? Yeah. That God hears your voice? God hears your cry? He's listening to you when you pray and he allows us to partner with him to accomplish what he ultimately wants to do. Listen, promises don't excuse prayer, but rather should incite prayer. When you get to scripture and you read something and maybe it says that you're holy or you're called or you're set apart or you're special or you're anointed, when you read something like that, it should cause you to pray, God, do this in my heart and in my life. God, I want to be called. I want to be anointed. I want to be used. I don't want to sit here useless and do nothing. God, all of these things that your word says about me, make it true in my life. We can pray. James tells us in James chapter 4 that we don't have because we don't ask. We don't have because we don't ask. Daniel reads this. He's like, oh my gosh, it's almost 70 years. God, please do something. Hear, forgive, listen, and act. Now, here's where the story gets interesting. We'll try to speed it up a little bit. Because Daniel is interrupted in his prayer by an angel to reveal to Daniel a message concerning the future and his prayer, right? So Daniel's like this. I don't know if he's really praying like this, but imagine he's like, God, please do something. Please listen and act. And all of a sudden he hears like a slam, the door opens, or all of a sudden like his eyes are closed and there's like a really bright light. And he's like, what is, like, dude, your flashlight's on. Turn it off. You've been that guy like you accidentally, the new iPhone update, all the time I'm this guy. And they're like, hey, your flashlight's on. You're like, dang it. So listen, verse uh, 21, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man who I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Listen to that. Daniel, as soon as he began to pray, the angel was dispatched. Think about that. He's praying. As soon, what if Daniel didn't pray? 
Would the angel have been there? I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to explain to you what that word says. He says, I was praying, and as soon as you prayed, I was sent out. And he says, uh, word went out, which I've come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Seventy-sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, to anoint the most holy place. Know and understand this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. After the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be put to death and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy uh, the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering, and at the temple he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Point number three is he receives a prophecy. Now, we're told about... 70 sevens, right? The, the language is 70 weeks. Now, a week in their context would be a uh, one seven-year period of time. So one week describes seven years, right? Not for us, but that's how in their language that's what it was used. So when he says 70 weeks, what he's saying is 77-year periods, is that making sense? 77 week periods. And it's broken up, we're told, into three parts. He says there's going to be seven weeks, then 62 weeks, then one week. Seven week, then 62 weeks, then one week, it equals 70 weeks. And we're told that this will begin, this 70-week period will begin from the time the decree goes out for Jerusalem to be rebuilt. Now, remember, Jerusalem has been destroyed 18 years earlier, or excuse me, not 18 years earlier. I don't know how to do that backwards math. 18 years from now, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Some period of time since Daniel, uh, well, 18 years, how about this, 18 years after Daniel was taken into captivity, Jerusalem was destroyed. There we go. I can do that math. Just reconfigure the sentence to what works in my advantage. Um, <laughs> so the, the Jerusalem had been destroyed, and he says from the time the decree goes out for Jerusalem to be rebuilt because it had been destroyed. And he says from that, something's going to happen. And there's a prophecy that takes place, two prophecies to be exact. There's a prophecy regarding the Messiah. We'll talk about that in a moment. And there's a prophecy that has to do with end times, specifically with the Antichrist. We talked about him a little bit last week. What's going to happen is he said there's going to be a seven-week period. Then there's going to be a 62-week period. At the end of that 62 uh, weeks plus the seven-week, which we get to 69 weeks, at the end of that, the Messiah is going to show up. Now, he leaves this last seven-week uh, or one-week period. Most uh, Bible scholars and theologians would say that this last seven, or excuse me, last week, this last seven-year period has not happened yet. So these 69 weeks 
have happened yet. And then there's this final week that's sort of floating out there. It hasn't yet happened yet. What's going to happen is the Antichrist is going to come to power. He's going to make a deal with Jerusalem. The, for the first half of those seven years, things are going to be great. It's going to be like this one world order. Everything's going great. The church is long gone by this point, but this is all going to be happening on the earth. All right? I know this is like people are like, this is super trippy. This is the, what the Bible's speaking of. The Antichrist is going to set up his power. It's going to be one week, one seven-year period. Halfway through, he's going to break his covenant with Israel. He's going to break his covenant with Israel. He's going to destroy the temple, defile the temple. Now, right now, there's no temple in Israel. No temple in Israel. Israel's, Israel's a country, it happened, or a nation. It happened back in the 1940s. Before that, they were dispatched all over the world. They've come back together in the 1940s. There's this promise that there's going to be a temple. There's going to be a treaty. Destroy the temple. That final week hasn't happened yet, okay? Let's move on past that because I want to talk about the 69 weeks, all right? He speaks of the Messiah. Now, he says that this 69 weeks will begin from the moment that there is the commission to go back and rebuild the city of Jerusalem. Right now, again, it hasn't been rebuilt. Fast forward in your Bible to Nehemiah chapter 2. It's an important book of the Bible. Nehemiah chapter 2, in that moment, this guy, Nehemiah, he's an Israelite. He's working in a foreign land. All of a sudden, he gets word that the city is in ruin. The temple has not been rebuilt. The wall is, not, it's just chaos. So he goes to his king, and he says, hey, can I, do you think I can rebuild the temple? And the king's like, um, remember, this is another king in another country that they've destroyed Israel. And he's like, uh, yeah, sure, you can go rebuild the wall around the city. And you know what? I'll pay for the whole thing. I'm feeling good today. So from that moment, Nehemiah chapter 2, these 69 weeks, the countdown has begun, right? And there is going to be from this moment what scholars would, if you add all that up, it's 483 years, 480 years. Listen to this. From the time Nehemiah chapter 2, if you fast forward 483 years, people did the math, you get to the timeline of Jesus, right? So Jesus is on the earth 483 years if you follow a solar calendar, which we follow. 365 days, rotations around the sun, that is one year, it gets to the time of Jesus. Now one scholar, this is so cool, ready? I'm about to nerd out and get super freaky. A guy by the name of Sir Robert Anderson realized that Babylon, at the time of Daniel, would have used a lunar calendar, which is a 360 days in the year. When he did those calculations, right, he didn't have a calculator, maybe he did, he sat down, he's like, right, 483 years, and when you follow the lunar calendar, from the time Nehemiah chapter 2, you get to the day, let me say it again, the day Jesus rode on a donkey into the city declaring himself once and for all as the Messiah. To the day, the literal day. So <laughs> he gets this visit from Gabriel. He says 70 weeks, 7 weeks, 262 weeks, plus one week, blah, 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 blah. Excuse me, 483 years, blah, 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 blah. And Daniel's like, okay, <laughs> all right. And then Nehemiah, fast forward, Daniel's gone. Daniel's dead, he's gone. Nehemiah goes to his king. He's like, hey, um, my city, it's busted up. It's messed up. Could I go rebuild it? 
And he's like, yeah, you can. And he's like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, um, I'll pay for the whole thing. I've got you covered. Boom, that timeline begins. Here, here, 483 years later, you pass by. Where's Jesus? Riding on a donkey into Jerusalem as people praise Hosanna because they recognize the Messiah has come. What was the prophecy about? Well, let's read it again. He says this. Uh, he says, from that time, listen, understand, the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes. There uh, uh, will be seven, blah, blah, blah. It will be rebuilt uh, in a trench. After let me, The anointed one will put to death and will have nothing. The anointed one will be put to death. Who, who do you think he's talking about? Jesus. It's like the right answer almost always in church. Who do you think he's talking about? Jesus. Jesus. He says, the anointed one will be put to death and will have nothing. And then it transitions and talks about that final week. So think about that. Daniel gets this visit hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus. He writes down numbers that make probably no sense to him at the time. Seven weeks plus two weeks plus one week, 70 weeks. What is happening? Fast forward to the literal day that the Messiah shows up on the scene and says, yep, I'm here. Now, Daniel receives that. But there's a fourth and final thing in worship team. You guys can come up here. With all of that, he also needed patience. He had a promise from God. He had prayer to petition God. He had a prophecy about the future. But in all of that, he needed patience. Many of these things Daniel would not see in his lifetime. That ki the captivity in Babylon would happen longer than Daniel was around, or to the Medo-Persian Empire, longer than Daniel was around. He wouldn't see it come about. Yet, the hope, the hope that he received, the promise that he received, the prophecies that he received, his engagement in prayer that he was a part of, inspired him to be faithful in what was in front of him. This is a major theme in the book of Daniel. It is hope that motivates faithfulness. Hope that motivates faithfulness. Initially, hope, maybe, maybe I won't have to live as a slave. He works hard. What does he do? Rises to the top. Man, maybe, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll get out of here. Maybe I'll represent my God. Maybe I don't have to be like them or live like them. I, I know everything's crashing in on around me, and they're, they're pressing me to be like this. But, you know, I've got hope that my God is the true and living God, so I'm going to be faithful to what's in front of me. What happens? He transforms a city, transforms a culture. I don't, I don't know if I'm ever going to get out of this. I don't know what's going to happen next, but I'm going to be faithful to God. And what happens? God gives him a word and also gives us a word to allow us to look back and say, yeah, Jesus is the guy. And that was one of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. And then also gives us a warning or, or a look ahead about what is coming in our future. He needed patience. And listen, this is so important. Just because you don't see something happening doesn't mean God isn't working. Just because you don't see something happening doesn't mean... Daniel got these numbers, right? He's like, okay. Daniel died. Daniel wrote this down. Daniel died. D does that mean that nothing was happening? No. That, mean that, he was just, that means he was just part of the piece of all that God was doing. 
He was there to, to, to transform Babylon, to be a hope and a light in the darkest of times in one of the hardest cultures in the world. God used him there. He was also there to give us, the, like, hey, this is what's going to happen. Be prepared. Be faithful. Trust God. But he was just a piece in the puzzle. And just because he couldn't see it didn't mean that God wasn't working. There's a powerful illustration of this in chapter 10. I'll read it to you real quick and then it will be done. Daniel in chapter 10, he's, he's praying again, right? And another angel visits him. Listen to this. It says, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. Consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up for I have now been sent to you. So we've got this angel that shows up, just like when Gabriel showed up. Daniel's praying, another angel shows up. And when, I, when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Listen to this. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. He says, but... The prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, the, the idea of princes here is, is like other angelic beings or heavenly beings. He says, then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. So Daniel's praying. Finally, this, this angel shows up and he says, hey, just to let you know, from the moment you prayed, I was dispatched from heaven to come to you. I had a word for you. Like God was responding to him. But then he says, and it gives a powerful illustration. He says that there was this, this heavenly battle that was taking place. He says, I was caught up with the king of Persia. I was caught up with some other demonic being. I don't, I don't know, all right? I don't have the answers for you. But he tells us, I was caught up with this, some demonic being, and it took me 21 days to get to you. So God dispatched him. There's this spiritual battle because the Bible makes it very clear that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but there's a heavenly realm. There is a spiritual realm that we can't always see or we don't always understand, but it's happening. Just as real as you or I are here today, there is a spiritual realm that takes place. And he says, in that spiritual realm, there was a battle, and it kept me from getting to you. What does that mean? Well, what, what it means is that God was working even though Daniel couldn't see it. God was answering his prayer even though it hadn't arrived to him yet. God was still doing something even though it hadn't happened. And where was Daniel while he was waiting? Where was he? He was praying. He was like, man, God's taking longer than I'd hope. I prayed this prayer over 21 days ago. It's almost been a month since I prayed that. And God still hasn't answered me. God still hasn't showed up. Has he forgotten about me? Does he not care about me? But where was Daniel? He was still praying. He's like, okay, well, even if it's taken God's time, I'm trusting that his timing is the best time. I'm trusting that he's going to work things out. So I'm just going to keep praying and keep trusting God and keep staying faithful and be patient because he knows that God's timing would ultimately be the best timing. So he stayed faithful. Listen, stay faithful, be patient, and trust that God's still working. God's not done yet. 
God's not finished yet. God wants to do something in your life. God wants to use you where you're at. God wants to transform your heart and your soul and the people around you. So you got to stay faithful. Have hope. Have patience. Stay faithful to what God's doing. Don't give up because, listen, God's not done. Is anybody thankful that God's not done yet? Let's stand together. Let's stand together. The worship team's going to lead us in a final song. Let's sing it out.